Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have on Tori Gordon. She is the CEO and founder of Coachable LLC, and which is a mindset uh, and performance company for um, teams in the corporate world. Before that, she spent six years in the corporate world and then after that decided she wanted to uh, start her entrepreneurial journey. And that's where Coachable came about. She is also a keynote speaker and host of the You're Welcome radio podcast. Tori, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Definitely. So um, we always start out kind of at the beginning. Um, So what was it like growing up? What were your high school years like? You know, I originally grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, I grew up with an amazing childhood. I had two very loving, educated, musical parents that were very, very involved in my my life and my sister's life, who Anna was four years older than me. And we were just, uh, you know, really active kids. I learned from a very young age that I liked getting attention, that I got attention, that I got love, and that I got praise, and I did things well. And all throughout my childhood, I was involved in different things, whether that be musical theater, ballet, dance, you know, playing instruments. And then really, as I got into my high school years, got really involved in sports. And I just found out very early in life that if I put enough energy and effort toward certain things, um, that I had the capacity to do well at them. And I liked that a lot. And it almost became my identity in a certain way because I found myself excelling at just about anything that I tried within my comfort zone, right? (laughs) Um, And I wouldn't necessarily try something that I didn't think I would be good at, but I would have to have some kind of you know, thought that I think I can do it. And, and typically I went out and I, and I did. And um, it was about senior year in high school that I had been you know, traveling all over the, you know, Southeast and playing softball. I was getting ready to go to college. My sister was a senior um, at the University of Alabama at the time. And our family got a diagnosis that Anna was um, sick with acute myeloid leukemia, which was something, you know, that really shook our family. We were not at all expecting to get any news like that. We had always been an extremely close-knit family. Again, my mom and dad, very, very involved in everything that we did. And all of a sudden was this really tight bound family was totally in chaos. And we didn't really know what was in our future. And I I specifically remember having that conversation with my mom and dad the night before I went to school and we got the diagnosis. They said, you know, if we find out that this is um, cancer, we'll come and get you out of school. And it was like around one o'clock and my dad he checked me out and um, we went and we sat around a table 
at this restaurant for, you know, I don't know why we didn't really know what to do. And we just said, okay, this is the, this is the game plan. Like mom and Anna, they're going to go to the hospital. They're going to go to Birmingham. And it was, everyone was just had new roles that were placed on them. Okay. And my role was in my mind just to kind of stay out of the way and just to be as less of a burden as possible and to not cause any additional stress or anxiety on my parents. And, and so I stayed in that lane for about two years and I suffered and went through multiple bone marrow transplants. We spent multiple Christmases in the hospital. She would stay for very long extended periods of time. My mom would do so with her. And all the while I am was in a huge transition of myself going to, to college for the first time, living on my own. And there just wasn't a ton of attention on me, I guess, right. which wasn't a bad thing. I was confident in my ability to like do my own thing and you know, still get the grades and still be the good girl that I'd always been. But that was more of, it was more pressure that I put on myself to do that at the time. And it was almost a, something that I use as an escape to distract myself from all the chaos that was happening within the family. It was the fact that I could go bury myself in school or bury myself in extracurriculars or bury myself in something else that would kind of drown out all of the fear that I was feeling and right. the grief. And so I got really, really good at compartmentalizing my life. Um, when I was with family, we were really focused on in a survival. And that was always running through everything I did, whether it was conscious or, or subconscious. And then really good at, at being where I was in the moment so that I didn't have to think about whatever or what else was going on. And then we lost Anna in April of 2011. And... Um, actually a couple weeks before that, a huge tornado came through our hometown in Tuscaloosa. It was absolutely traumatic and devastating. So that was a, a major event that occurred all the while Anna was, was declining in health. And we were displaced from our family home. We had to go and move into actually her apartment in Tuscaloosa to have a place to live because oh, wow. there were trees everywhere. It was, it was chaos. Yeah. And yeah, she passed away just a couple weeks later. And, you know, seeing someone so healthy, so vibrant, so alive, be depleted over the course of a couple of years and, and totally change her state, her mental state, her physical state, um, really made me hypersensitive and aware of my own body and my own mental state. And so it was... A, a huge wake up call to me personally in terms of what's important, Tori, what's really important here. And I think life gives us these opportunities to learn these lessons here and there until, you know, and we'll see different cycles and patterns in our lives until we do learn the lesson. And I'm not saying that's why Anna got cancer by any means, but it was one of those opportunities for me to really assess myself and what, what I cared about my priorities. But at that time I was about 19, 20 years old and I was still focused on, on school and being a teenager and just trying to, to survive, right. And trying to 
to fit in and belong and deal with this massive thing that just happened. So I didn't really deal with it, to be honest. I didn't really process it. <laughs> right. Um, it makes it makes sense, especially when, you know, for the last two years, you've kind of spent your time building everything up around you and building enough things to keep you distracted almost. And then to have somebody so close to you pass away, but you still have all of these responsibilities that you've built up to keep yourself distracted, that it's so easy to continue those distractions. Yeah, it was. And I fell right into it um, because that was the easiest thing to do. And over the course of the next few years, my all three of my living grandparents passed away. My uncle passed away and my mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Wow. So we had a family of seven dwindled to me, um, my dad and my mom, and my mom was very, very ill. We were given the diagnosis that she would have five years to live. And lo and behold, throughout those years, there were some really good times and towards the end, a lot of really horrible times. And But she, she lived five years and two weeks. Wow. And now looking back on it, see the power of belief so strongly intertwined in our story, how our belief systems really create what we experience in the world. And again, every, every death, every passing away of something in our lives, whether that's a person or a relationship or a career or a house or whatever, it's an opportunity that upheaval is an opportunity for, you know, really looking at what's underneath. But for 10 years almost, the upheaval was so constant, I didn't really have time to get my hands dirty and process. So when my mom passed, she passed away 10 days after my 27th birthday. It was for the first time for my dad and I, and we didn't have any immense danger or threat around us, you know, of needing to have our arms up in defense against whatever could be coming. That felt very unusual to us and unfamiliar, but it was um, a time where we, we talked to each other and we said, well, I guess this is, this is the new paradigm. This is the new normal. And how I decided to navigate that was really for the first time, get my hands dirty in all of life that had happened and start to pick up those pieces, or at least kind of look at them and see if they fit together in some way. And again, you know, I mentioned when my sister passed, I had this hypersensitivity to the fact that I am more than in my body. And I I could see very clearly that all these people had passed and that they were gone. Their body was here and I would be with them, but where were they? And I, and I had always had a, a spiritual, a relationship with God and a spiritual path, but this took me down kind of a different road in terms of the questions that I had, my religious background couldn't really answer. And so I just started to ask 
deeper questions and be okay with where those, those questions led me and whether I found answers or not. I was still curious and I had to ask for myself because what became really, really, really clear was that I had been given time for some reason that I had a chance to do something with my life, whereas my sister didn't. And was what I was doing meaningful to me? Because I had done really well at climbing corporate ladder. I'd done really well at checking boxes off of what I thought was going to look like a successful life for me. I made the six figures. I bought the house. I had the relationship. And I was not fulfilled. I wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. That's, you know, why a lot of people jump into the entrepreneur world is because it's the corporate world is, you know, you feel like you have so much more potential, so much more to give, and they kind of put you in a box and this is where you go and this is you do your job. And if you are looking into yourself and trying to figure out yourself and especially dealing now with several, several deaths in your family, it, it makes sense that that is not conducive to now how you're feeling and what you're, you're thinking about for yourself. Yeah. And I just, I had to ask, is the work that I do, is my, my time and my energy are my most valuable resources and I can never get my time back. How I spend it today, I, it will be gone and I can never choose to live those days differently, but I can choose today how I want to spend my time and where I want to put my energy and and what I want to build. And when I started having that epiphany and revelation in my life, it was like a light bulb turned on and I couldn't turn it off. It was like, I, I saw it and then I couldn't ignore it. Right. And it was, we have to do this now. It's not a, I can push it off. I can say tomorrow I can, um, say maybe when I have the money or I have the time or all of the excuses that we make around things that we want to do in our lives. I didn't have that option because I knew this was something my soul needed to do like right now. And I wasn't really sure why, but for the first time in my life, I, I listened to that still small voice. I listened to that intuition that said, do this thing. And even though it doesn't make sense, even though you have every reason not to, and you have all the security in the world, this is, this is where you're being guided and led. And yeah, I said yes to it. Yeah. (laughs) So it's changed my life since doing that. Yeah. What degree did you go for in college? Yeah. So I originally got my degree. I started in photography. Um, I ended up getting my degree in social work. and worked with foster care, um, training foster families to become um, parent foster parents. And then ultimately uh, actually didn't do anything with that degree. I went into sales (laughs) right (laughs) out of college um, and bought into the idea that, oh, sales is where you should go if you want to make money. I mean, it's somewhat true. You can make a lot of money in sales, um, but you may not be fulfilled uh, in doing that in life. So, uh, you know, it's, um, it's kind of like, what, what does rich mean to you? Rich in be in money or, or rich in how you feel and how you present yourself to the world. You went for photography originally switched to yeah. social work and then got into sales. And we said in your, um, 
your bio, your intro that you were there for six years. I think I know what the changing moment was, but what was that moment where you were like, nope, I'm done. This is not, I don't want to be in sales anymore. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So the industry that I was in was one that wasn't extremely glamorous, but um, one that was a challenge and I liked that and I had um, picked it up and, and had done well in it. I was, you know, selling for about four and a half. And then actually the last part of my corporate career was I was managing sales training and performance for a massive sales team in about five countries. And so it was really on the sales operations side at that point. And I think what I found, what led me to that decision was something that I experienced in my personal life less than my professional life was I was doing this this healing, this processing, um, dealing with all the grief and the trauma and the loss. Right. Uh, I finally made time and made it a priority to to deal with that and to heal. I went on this um, retreat and kind of really confronted a lot of that stuff that I'd been running from for a long time. Very much knew that I had a story. I had a um, a message to share with people. And I needed to do that on a, on a bigger scale. So I came home from the retreat, very much changed in a lot of ways. But I started to observe my thinking and my thoughts during the workday about what I wanted to be spending my time on. And my energy was totally disconnected from my work. And my attention was totally disconnected from my work. And I totally wanted to be doing this other thing. I wanted to be speaking on my podcast. I wanted to be creating programs that helped people, you know, confront their own limitations and fears. And there was one distinct day though, to answer your question that I had written my, I had written my um, resignation letter and it had sat on my desktop for about two weeks so much that I had to change my date on it. (laughs) And I just got this vision of myself straddling a fence And I had one foot in the corporate world, full of safety, full of comfort, full of assurance, and and full of approval from everyone. And then this other foot was in this other unknown world, full of possibility, full of risk, full of self-belief. And I wasn't making an impact in either. Because I had, I was straddling this fence and I couldn't, I wasn't all in on either, either side of it. And I just realized that I was doing neither myself or my organization a service. I was actually being a disservice to, to both. And it was an opportunity for me to make a very self-honoring choice, which is for so many of us, extremely scary. Because we're told our whole lives, that's selfish. You know, that's selfish. Don't, you know, yeah, you can dream dreams, but come back down to reality, you know, and (laughs) down here with all of us where we all believe that work has to be really excruciating, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I just started to recognize these belief systems that I had really ingrained in me from society, from culture, from just all over the place. And we don't, you know, that we've picked up that, that in order to make money, you've got to just 
work till your eyes bleed and only the few are successful and da, 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 da. And I just started to look at the women, the people that I admired, my dad, my, you know, any mentor in my life and, and ask what do they had in common? And they all were willing to fail. They all took major risks. They all believed in something that they could see in their minds, but didn't exist in the physical reality yet. And I said yes to being one of those people. And I didn't know the how. I didn't know how it was going to come to be. I didn't know how I was going to get clients, but I knew it was a full-bodied yes from me in every other aspect. And now that is the premise and primary principle, you know, that I teach in my work is we have the answers within ourselves that we're seeking and that we're looking for. All the guidance has always been guiding us and we've just been ignoring it. Instead, we ask people for, oh, what is your opinion? What do you think I should do? And everyone else told me, oh, you should have six months salary saved up before you do it. Right. (laughs) That was everyone else's advice. Yeah. But higher self, Tori, um, more intuitive Tori, the, the part of me that's connected to what I believe is, is divine source and love and abundance, um, knew that this was my, my path and that the how would unfold if I said yes to it. And so that's, that's kind of been what's happened over the last six months or so. And it's been really transformative. Nice. Um, so you said that you, everybody approved of your corporate world, but you weren't sure if people were going to approve of this new journey of yours. And I know that you're really close to your dad. What were those conversations like? Cause I know of, you know, if our listeners are kind of going through that same thing where they're like, I don't really know if I should do it. And also, I don't really know if I should talk to anybody about it. Um, so I just want to, what was that conversation like with your dad? Was he approving? Was he helpful? Yeah. And mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good question. And I think hits on something that I see, not just with my clients, but across the board of what holds people back most from doing things that they really feel called or led or guided to do. And it's from fear of judgment. What is somebody going to think? What's mom, dad, boyfriend, wife, kids going to think of me if I'm not who they think I am or if I do this different thing? Because, so you know, on some level, we've agreed to a certain identity of who we think we're supposed to be. And all of that comes from a place of a really deep desire for connection and love and acceptance for who we are. And so we've decided we have to be a certain way to get that. I was really, really, really freaking blessed to have two parents that saw me and acknowledged me, even as a child, you know, they, they spoke to me like my opinion mattered. It wasn't like, Tori, go to the kid's table. You know what I mean? Hush, you know, oh, you're cute, but this is this conversations for adults. You know, they always made me feel like that what I had to say carried value and carried weight. And so when I, I started to tell my dad about all these experiences, cause we're incredibly close um, given everything that we've gone through, we have each other, you know, right. 
And we've both been on our own healing paths and how those have, have intertwined is beautiful. But I, he knew that I'd started my podcast. He knew I had this message. We both do. He always saw potential in me that, that I was unrealized in myself. And, but he's always known that I, I do what I want to do in some ways. And I called him up and he was the one person I was scared to tell after I quit. Like I, I sent in that resignation letter. I actually like closed my eyes and pressed send because I was so scared yep. and immediately fear set in. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? I think I just ruined my life. I just walked away from all this money and right. how am I going to pay my mortgage and da, 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 da. <laughs> And then immediately empowerment came over me and I was like, I've never been prouder of myself. I just did what most people will never have the courage to do. And I don't say that boastfully. I say that it was scary and I, and I did it anyway. Yeah. And I was so scared to tell my dad, not because I thought there would be any judgment or anything, but I just, I think a little girl in me went back to, I don't want to cause you to worry. I don't want right. to cause you more stress. You've been through enough. Right. You know, and that little girl went back to that identity of don't shake things up. Just be the good girl, get the grades, make the money, climb the ladder. Yeah. Don't shake things up. Don't be too much. Right. And I called him and I, I said, dad, I did something today. <laughs> <laughs> I did something today. And he, he always knows, you know, Oh, what did you do, Tori? Well, I quit my job, Dad. <laughs> I'm laughing because literally when I quit my job, I literally, I called my dad and I was like, so I did something today. And he, he literally, immediately, he was like, you quit your job, didn't you? And I was like, how did you know? <laughs> they know. They always know. <laughs> yes. Yes. I did. I did. <laughs> Oh, and gosh. I think he just, you know, he looked at me and he just smiled and he's like, well, <laughs> you did it. You know, yep. how, do you feel? how do you feel? And I was like, you know, I really feel good. I was telling him and then a miracle happened. <laughs> and he said, how much debt are you at? How much debt are you in? And I was like, immediately, I was like, I don't. First of all, I never carried debt ever, but I yeah. had put this retreat, uh, the retreat that I'd gone on, on my credit card. Yeah. And I, that was another one of those moments. It's like, I know this is for me and I have to do this thing. And he's like, how much debt are you? And I was like, uh, don't ask me that. First of all, I, I'm like really on a high right now. <laughs> don't bring me down. Okay. Don't bring me down. And two, like, I'm not asking you to come in and save the day. Like, I'm not doing this because I want you to come, you know, take care of me. I can right. do it. And this almost this independence came out. It's like, no, I don't need anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he said, no, Tori. And he told me his own personal story um, of when there was a time in his life where he had some financial debt and it was, it got to a point where it was almost overwhelming him and, and kind of keeping our family afloat. And he went to his dad and kind of crumbled to his dad and said, Hey, this is what's going on. And his dad, my grandfather said, 
how can I help you if you don't tell me? And that's what my dad said to me. He said, how can I help you? And I get emotional because it's this miracle of the gift of understanding that if we don't ask, we can't receive. Life doesn't have to be done alone. That we don't have to struggle to prove ourselves and to show that it's us against the world and no one's going to, you know, beat us. And that's an exhausting place to live from. I've lived from there for a really long time. And my dad gave me the gift of saying, how can I help you? You just made a really huge decision to walk away from something that's not serving you energetically and and emotionally and and mentally. I want to help you run towards this other thing that's going to help you and like fulfill everything you want to do. And and maybe this this financial debt's going to hold you back. Let me let you run if I can. And it was just this moment of realizing I need to stop trying to block all the blessings that are trying to come to me and receive. And it doesn't make me less than. It doesn't make me weak because I accepted a gift from somebody. And I think I work with a lot of clients who have this block or belief around money that that we all have to do it on our own and we have to work this crazy hours to do it. And then it means something about us and our value or, you know, who we are as a person, if we accept something from someone. And for me, it was a really beautiful lesson that, that in order to receive, we have to be willing to, instead of putting our hands up in, in fists, really opening them up in acceptance and openness and, since then, man, have the flood gates opened. Um, but it was it was an, a poignant lesson for me to learn because I'd really, really gone through life trying to prove that I didn't need anybody, that I could do life on my own. Well, and, and also it, it kind of, you said that you had, you have a really strong relationship with God. And it's funny because a lot of people, they'll pray for, you know, just help me, give me help, give me guidance. And, you know, he'll, he'll send somebody like your dad in and say, okay. And you send your dad and give that message. And it's, you know, it's amazing that you were able to receive that. But a lot of people, like you said, will just be like, oh no, no, I'm waiting for God to help me. I'm waiting for, and it's like, (laughs) no, that was, that was God helping you. It reminds me of the story of the, the woman who's like, she's cleaning her house. And God told her like, oh, I'm going to send Jesus to you today. And she gets the knock on the door and she's like, oh, no, no, no. I have to clean. Jesus is coming. And <laughs> Jesus was sent three times. And so it reminds me of that story of, you know, like growing up and hearing that story. It's the same thing. And I think that's so key for a lot of people listening is you may be praying for a miracle to happen and you just have to be ready for it when it shows up because it may not be the way that you think it's going to show up. Amen. Um, Yes. And, uh, you know, I think our idea of thinking we know how the gift is going to come, how the miracle is going to come, how the money is going to come, how the opportunity is going to come and manifest itself. If we think we know how it's going to come, it's not going to come that way. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the funny part. And that's what I've learned in this when you're given a dream, when you're given a desire, that is the divine in you saying that that is for you. You know, it, 
you weren't given the same dream I was given. And that's for a purpose because your dream is yours and mine is mine. And I've been given the tools to do what is in me. And the people and the circumstances are going to align in our lives in order to teach us things, in order to help us to evolve and to change and to grow, help us on our path to making things um, come to be and to, to, to flourish. And I think, yeah, if we have this idea, oh, I need an investor for, you know, for a business or I need, I really want this healthy relationship. And if we're trying to force it and control it, that's exactly the way it's not going to happen. Right. And really, in what I've learned, my faith has really transformed a much more what used to be systematic type, um, in some ways dogmatic type of looking at God of this faraway man in the sky that was going to just give me the desires of my heart to a very close relationship with a part of me, with a, with a God that lives within me and has always lived within me forever. And that I am love. I am abundance. I'm not separate. And when we ask for things in prayer, that it's, it's when we wanting the idea of wanting is from a place that I don't have, that I lack something and I want it to fill what I don't have the space in me that's empty. Whereas now my relationship to God and to the divine is that I lack nothing. I have everything right now. The miracles are all around me. Love is all around me. Money and blessings are all around me. If I look for them, if I see them, if I change my state of and perspective of looking for all the things I don't have to a place of gratitude and everything I do have, right? Because for all of us, if we looked at our lives, we see you, you and I could have experienced the same exact thing and had totally different interpretations of it. And it's really about our, our perspective. And so when I learned to choose the perspective I wanted to have, instead of being a victim to the circumstances that happened in my life, um, big, big things shifted for me. And yeah, I think for your listeners, if they take anything from this is we all have the miracle of choice every single day and choice in how you treat people, how you treat yourself, how you prioritize your time and your energy. If you choose to see the good, if you choose to look for, for the bad, whatever story you tell yourself, you'll find evidence to be true. If somebody takes you on uh, or if you take somebody on as a client, what kind of things can they expect from their sessions with you? That's a really good question. So I've got these two kind of different pillars of my business, if you will. I do one-on-one group coaching online primarily. So I have a women's online group coaching program called the Radiant Warrior Mastermind. It's a phenomenal group of women. I, I launch this program three times a year and it's for women who are really hungry to do this personal development work in a container with other women that are like-minded that are ready to address some of those limiting beliefs, address some of those fears, acknowledge some of the trauma that that needs healing to learn a new level of self-acceptance and self-love. I believe that true positive, you know, lasting change is only available to us when we come into greater levels of self-acceptance. So we do a lot of work around that and 
learning what belief systems we have in our lives that are really subconsciously running our lives that maybe aren't serving us. How can we tell a new empowered story? How can we take control of our impulses and our emotions and how does that affect how we show up in the world and the results that we get? So it's uh, a 12-week program I do with women three times a year. It also includes a retreat, an integrative experiential retreat, which is really, really amazing where I love, like, love to be. And then I do, uh, I take a few private one-on-one clients. And those are for people that want more hands, like one-on-one work. This is more of a, you know, really hands-on coaching program where we're working through just stuff daily, integration daily of maybe they're coming out of a breakup. Maybe they're really in a period of transition to a new career. Maybe they've gone through a loss of some kind and they're really trying to find their grounding and do healing work. That's um, what I do with them. And then on the corporate side, I work with teams and you know senior leadership um, to bridge some generational gaps. I think there's a big, what I saw when I was in my <laughs> corporate career is People are motivated at different levels um, in their career for different reasons. And we're not all speaking the same language. We have things that motivate us differently, that inspire us to to do good work and help us to stay engaged in that work. Um, Really, my performance management background allowed me to see, you know, those gaps and how can we how can we become more team oriented how can we all have an inspired vision that leads us and that lights us up every day instead of feeling burnt out and lethargic and what do you do when when something doesn't go your way how do you how do you bounce back with a mentality that is is still um, resilient and positive and, and you feel like you have something to contribute to your work. Um, I think that's really, really important for teams to understand is how, how their work impacts the greater vision of, of um, the project or the team or whatever. And, and are people doing the thing that they want to be doing more than anything? Have people signed up for, for a job because they think they're supposed to, or are they actually enjoying the work that they do? bringing that human human side into the workplace, that vulnerability, that transparency is, I think, absolutely essential to um, leading with integrity and leading with, with bravery. Um, and so that's what I'm helping uh, corporations to do as well. So it's beautiful work that I get to do. Yeah. I think that's so key too, because I mean, when I was in my corporate world and corporate days, there was huge generational gaps. There was always, you know, I was always the one that they brought in. They were like, we need the millennial perspective, you know? And so I was always trying to go in and, but even if they'd asked for the perspective, they didn't want to accept it. <laughs> they didn't want right. to implement it. I'm like, why are you asking for my opinion if you're not going to use it? <laughs> exactly. They just want to say they asked. Yes. So that they can like feel, feel good about the fact that they included you, but they have no right. in- and actually implementing anything you say. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then also you said that you make people feel good about what they're doing. And I think that's so key because we all know not everybody can be an entrepreneur. Not everybody has that entrepreneurial spirit. So being mm-hmm. a, being comfortable and being happy in what you're doing in the corporate world is key too, because you nobody wants to just go to work and hate their life when they're going to work. So if you can become comfortable and happy doing yeah. it, that's amazing. 
And no one should, no one should have to. Right. That, I'm so tired of the paradigm that work has to be difficult. Work has to be a struggle. Work has to, it's called work for a reason. It's not fun. Right. And if that, that was a belief system that I really, you know, subscribed to for a long time, I thought that's what being an adult had to be. Right. right. And then I realized that's BS. No, thanks. <laughs> I don't want to feel this way forever. And if this is what being an adult is like, no, thank you. But like you said, I think it's about helping people to do exactly what your mission is about. It's going from surviving to thriving in their environment, wherever that is, whether that's being a stay at home mom, whether that's being a career driven woman, uh, whether that's trying to balance it all, whether that's, you know, it doesn't matter, but how can you find a balance for what feels good to you and how can you, we create at least in the corporate environment, um, a place where people can come bring their whole selves instead of having to wear one mask to work where I'm this woman here, but at home I'm someone else. And with this friend group, I'm this way. And with this religious group, I'm this way. And then with my other friends, I'm one way. It's how can we bring our whole selves right. to work, you know, and how can I ask for the things that I need? Do I feel supported in the ways that I need support? Can I be honest with my boss when things aren't going well without feeling like there's a target on my back? You know, those are the things that we have to, to address. Otherwise people are doing work that feels they're disconnected from and that they're having to come in and just, you know, Time, like get their, their time in and, and leave. And they haven't left a part of them with that. And I would love to help companies change that paradigm. Definitely. So what are you working on moving forward in 2020 and beyond? <sighs> yeah, big things. 2020 has brought, man, so much. I got married um, almost a month ago. I've moved in the last few weeks. So 2020 came with a bang for me. Really, the vision for uh, for this year, continuing to build out my corporate uh, practice and scale that, um, really an emphasis on my own podcast, You're Welcome Radio. It will be relaunching in March, which I'm very excited about. Took some time off during the holidays in, in January uh, just to to <laughs> live and had, yes. had to give that to myself. And then, yeah, really... Um, growing the Radiant Warrior Mastermind, which will um, have Radiant Warrior treats, Radiant Warrior workshops. These will be opportunities for for women online within the Atlanta community and all over to to work with me on this more individual basis. Even in a group setting, there's there's individual work that they can do. So there are those two ways that people can work with me, um, corporate or through that program. And, and really just establishing um, kind of the the coachable brand, um, on online and my website will be launching here soon. So that's really the focus right now. Lots going on, but all things that we're really, really excited about. Awesome. Well, wrapping up, we've got a few questions that we ask every guest that comes on. So I'll get into those. The first one is what would the new you say to the old you? I love that question. (laughs) That's a great question. The new me would say to the old me, other people's opinions don't matter. It's how you view yourself. Be more kind to yourself. What 
is something that you can recommend to our listeners do if they're going through a tough time? I know that you said that you were on on a healing journey and and that mm-hmm. you went through that process few few years after maybe than it when it should have happened. And I know a lot of our listeners are definitely in that same boat where they've just kind of put it off. Um, so what are maybe some steps to get started or just something that you can recommend just going through a tough time? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help is not weakness. Your vulnerability is not weakness. It's actually your strength. Being able to to look at yourself in the mirror and see yourself flaws and all that's true, true love. And I think, uh, yeah, the first thing is if you've got the awareness that there's healing that needs to happen in your life in certain areas, that's the first step is just having the awareness. The second step is, is the acceptance of, of where, where you are right now and where you've been, but realizing that doesn't have to be where you continue to go. That doesn't have to be your story. So just practically, I think whether you find a coach that's in alignment with kind of what you're going through. Therapy, I went to therapy and I'm all about getting rid of the stigma around going to therapy because I think yes. absolutely <laughs> everyone can benefit and should. Yes. And we all should have conscious time where we process and deal with all of what it means to be human and like, like live in yes. earthly bodies and on this planet. We're all experiencing hard things. And so no one is excluded from that. And so to have a safe place where you can bring um, all of your mess, all of yourself and say, Hey, like, I need, I want to work through this, whatever container that looks like, I think is huge. So whether that's therapy, coaching, a retreat, like I went on having some type of mindfulness practice has been transformative for me. Whether that's the easiest thing you can do today is take a big deep breath because we, we breathe unconsciously, but when you put your actual thinking into breathing, you realize maybe how long it's been since you took a deep breath and and connect with your body again. And your body is a messenger. It gives us, it gives us guidance all the time about what we need. So be aware of what your body is telling you. If it needs to slow down, slow down. If it needs water, give it water. If it needs a nice hot bath, give it that. If it needs to release, we carry energy and we carry emotions in our, in our all over our bodies. If you need to release, go to a sauna, go work out, go get a massage, be willing to listen to yourself and honor that because it is trying to, to tell you something. A mindfulness practice of, of some type of meditation, of stillness, of, of just putting your phone down and not being immediately reactive in the mornings gives you a chance to connect with yourself. And so these are all things that I do that I teach my clients about. But I think the first thing is just realizing that you're you're not alone. You don't have to do life alone and that you can ask for help anytime at any time. Definitely. I think one of the key things that you said is to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And I think that is so key because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going through trying to figure out how to love themselves again. Um, so I thought that yeah. was that was perfect. What is a good podcast ebook book, quote, anything that you kind of live by or would recommend? So many things I would recommend. (laughs) Anything by Brene Brown. There's one, if I don't know, you know, 
specifically for your listeners, if you're going through kind of the trenches right now of, of really learning to love yourself again, there's one book in particular uh, by Brene Brown called Braving the Wilderness. It's about having the courage to stand alone kind of in your truth, especially as you navigate your truth and how do you live that out um, when you've kind of been living by other people's standards. I would say, you know, one of the, the sayings that right now is a couple things. Addiction, for me, the definition of addiction to me is, is not having enough of the thing that is almost enough. Like not being able to get enough of the thing that almost gets you there. And it's that you think every time you, whether it's a substance or whether it's external accolades and praise, that dopamine hit, that, that addiction is, it almost gets you the feeling of love. It almost makes you feel accepted, but there's just a little bit of emptiness. And, and the other thing I, I think is on my mind right now is clear as kind, unclear as unkind. So if there's anything you need to be clear with yourself on or with someone else, it's always better to be clear about your expectations, about your standards, about your boundaries. That is kind to yourself. And that is also kind to someone else and being unclear, being you know confusing or you know, giving people like mixed signals. That's unkind. And, and that's something I tried to lead from is being honest with myself is, is the best, best thing I can do for myself and for everyone else around me. Um, so that, so that they know the things that I do, the things that I say really come from a place of integrity and love. And that's what's really important to me. I love that. Clear is kind. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Last question is how can our listeners find you or learn more about you or connect with you? Yeah, I would love to stay connected with anybody. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tori Gordon Coachable. Um, on Instagram, I am Coach Tori Gordon. That's Coach T O R I G O R D O N. And Facebook, I'm also on there. Uh, you look out for for anything that says the Radiant Warrior Mastermind. And then my website will be coming um, shortly in March. The only other way I would say definitely reach out to me um, is by finding my podcast, Your Welcome Radio. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, really anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Awesome. If you go listen to it, leave a rating and review, of course. It always helps with Apple's algorithms. Tori, thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom. Oh, thank you for having me. It was, it was really great to be here. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O, thriving, A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.